Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pine Class Preachers. Happy New Year. But to be honest with you, by the time you hear this episode, it's going to be like February 32nd. So uh, Josh really wants us to start off the New Year strong, to have like episodes that are cut and dried and, you know, a, a certain length, we maybe a little shorter, and that we know what we're doing. And I got to be honest with you, after like 75 episodes, have you ever gotten the impression that we know what we're doing? Not at all. Not, not at once, all. Not one time. So uh, we're going to start off the new year with with something fun. Gabe is actually in town. Gabe and I are sitting right next to each other. And in Murderapolis. Woo! Uh, <laughs> murder, wait, Murderapolis. I was going to let you two go with this thing, but mur Murderapolis. No, no, no. That's no. not a real well, thing. That's not. You just made that up and thing. it's terrible. No, murder. It is oh, a real thing gosh. in the 80s. The crack. It was a lot. Or anyway. according to Donald Trump and MS-13. <laughs> They've been around since the 60s. Yes. Okay, so we thought like, hey, we're going to really have our poop in a group here for, for 2019. And it turns out that when two of us are in the same room, that is not going to happen. Not even close. Yep. So we are going to wing it through this entire episode. I could be really super fun or it could be terrible. And what we'd love to hear is we'd love to hear what it was. Super awesome or terrible. And so you can respond afterwards with our text number, which one of us knows. 612-208-6258. There it is. All right. So uh, we're going to be talking about leadership tonight, uh, particularly when you are in the younger set. And we'll maybe define that later. But we're going to be talking about leadership, how to manage up, how to manage down, and uh, how to do it probably in a Christian context, because apparently that's the thing that we do. Uh, so let's get moving and talk about what we're drinking and probably respond to some text messages. Sounds great. So, uh, Josh, Tom and I are together, so I know what he's drinking. Actually, and it's not much right now. He's just about finished his drink. Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I know the first thing I'm drinking is a whole lot of being thrown under the bus. That's what I've been apparently guzzling with a fire hose. And, <laughs> and if that's what 2019 has in store, then I don't know. I might just quit. Story of your life. Take it on. What are you yeah. drinking, Josh? True. Okay, so I was recently in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, preaching at a partner church, visiting a new friend of the pod, Jeff Alexander, Pastor Good. Jeff Alexander of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Greenwood, Indiana. I promised him I'd give him a shout out. And while I was up in India this weekend, I picked up some local brews from the Upland Brewing Company, the Latitude Adjustment, the Pipe, <laughs> oh my gosh, Pipe Pineapple and coconut pale ale is it what a tongue twister uh the pineapple's cool the coconut's weird all in all i'm just kind of choking it down because it says drink south for the winter and they got a snowstorm while i was in there six and a half inches or something like that jeff love you great visit and this beer is kind of gross i'm gonna drink it anyway but i hope the rest of them are better so maybe when they say drink south maybe it's just pour south like pour it out that's what you should do 
I might, but I don't waste the goodness of God's creation like that. All right. Is it goodness of God's creation if it's coconut pineapple beer? God made all things good. He didn't make that. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's an abomination. No, coconuts are good. Wheat is good. Malt is good. Malted barley is good. Hops are good. Water is good. Yeast is good. So Coconuts are good. I know. Your logic is so flawed. I, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> That's, like but anything has changed. Like anything has changed. Okay, you two who are in the same room want to throw Josh under the bus, ruin our entire podcast, tank it in 2019. What are you two drinking? We're drinking gin. Well, I'm drinking gin. Um, it is, uh, what is it? Kirkland? It's Kirkland it's, gin. It's Costco gin. And I'm just drinking it straight up. Is so, it good though? What, on the gin it's spectrum? Really good. So here's the thing actually. So my favorite gin is Hendrix, which is you know relatively high end and uh pretty expensive uh and I, I really like drinking gin straight and but i'll i'll drink like more mid-tier stuff straight too whether it's like bombay or, or tangeray um but so i was like is this going to be at that level and i'd say it's actually even better than bombay or tangeray to be honest at least yeah. as far as my money goes and so for the cost you get and the quantity you get this may be a, a new staple in the casper household the uh the kirkland brand gin it's, you, it's quite can good. you get you that in michigan buy- you get a five-gallon yeah. barrel for like nineteen dollars. Yeah, so. it's amazing. Really? It's amazing. Oh, you see at our Costco's, they—I mean, we're in the South, so You're blue South. laws are still in effect. You can barely buy wine and beer at Costco. Bro, I can buy weed in Michigan. We we can change this whole podcast. You know, <laughs> oh, I mean, man, this is getting crazy now. All right, I'm going to tell you what I'm drinking, and then I'm going to explain it, and then I'm going to rant because I'm going to—I'm drinking a gin and tonic. That's it. It's really simple. I'm drinking the Kirkland gin. And so we had we had a great text from uh, from one of our listeners, and uh, his name is Tyler, and I love Tyler like he's the brother-in-law of Gabe, and so <laughs> which he is. So let me read what Tyler wrote us. He said, "This is a text we received. This is Tyler, Melissa's brother. I've noticed that nine times out of ten, when drinks are being introduced by y'all, that Tom always introduces his drink." and then immediately defends it because it tends to be a more effeminate drink in which he feels he has to defend. All in all, I enjoy your podcast and all of you. You know, Tyler, let me start with this. If you listen to the Dan Levitard show, they have this like gong sound and it's like, you don't get the show. When we started this podcast, I never had beer because I'm gluten-free. I'm sorry if my innards offend your style of what you want to hear me talk about. I don't drink as much beer as I'd like to. I love beer, but I end up having to drink a lot of mixed drinks. And so in the first like five to 10 episodes, these guys would give me endless crap because they're drinking some pale ale or some stout and I'm drinking a gin and tonic or things like that. So I had to like say, hey, these are decent drinks. And as we've gone on, I like to say that I've gotten pretty creative with the drinks I've had. I'm sorry if I'm trying to broaden the horizons of our listenership and saying, hey, maybe put down the PBR and try something just a little different. Maybe go to the liquor store, buy a buy some liquor, buy some bitters, maybe put some mixers in there, and you can put you can make yourself a pretty nice drink. So I'm not defending it because I'll drink whatever the hell I want to drink, Tyler. I'm just saying, <laughs> I think maybe Whoa. you guys Whoa. should start thinking about drinking it as well. Dude, now we have to mark this as explicit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, on a, but on a more serious note, do you call it the liquor store or do your kids call it the mommy daddy store that we're not allowed to leave the car in while daddy runs in for a quick sec? 
So you leave your kids in the car while you go into the oh, liquor while store? while it's running, I'm like, uh, hey, guys, I'll be right back. And they're like, where is this place? Can we come in? I'm like, mm, no, it's a mommy-daddy store. Oh, no, I bring, I bring my kids in. Mm, the way God intended. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I guess you can bring your kids into Costco. No one cards them when they're coming in to buy a, a five-gallon jug. Well, no, you, you have weirdo liquor laws. My kids can come into the liquor store in Minnesota. So, so uh. Speaking, uh, so we, we've covered our drinks. Speaking of texts that have come in, we received uh, quite a few off our last episode. And so here's just a, a, a couple more. Oh, uh, I can't wait to fight with these people. That we'd love to share with you. You know, these are nice. Uh, well, this next one is actually directed at Josh. Uh, it's from our, our good friend, Dej. And he says this. Well, he's got several things. Uh, so the first one is, why does Josh hate America so much? So let's just start there. Josh, why do you hate America so much? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Dej, why? First of all, you should know by now, I don't hate America. I hate the systems America has created, which... Like just, freedom and equality and... Freedom for who? Oh, you equality just for equality. who, Gabe? Oh, freedom Gabe, for on. who? Equality for who? Justice for who? Equity for who? Only people who look like me and you. How about them raps? And also, by the way, Gabe is starting to hate America, too, after listening to this Cultural Moment podcast by his two uh, boy toy faves, John Mark Comer and Mark Sayers. Just one boy toy fave, Mark Sayers. John Mark Comer is as bright as a dim bulb. I, okay, you know what we did? Dude, keep when, it we moving. Get, when, we blow this, when we blow up on this podcast, that's going to sink us. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to insult him. He's a fine gentleman, I'm sure. At any rate. Um, okay, then Dedge continues after accurately describing uh, Josh's distaste for our beloved uh, fatherland. He stars says, and stripes. If stars and stripes forever. Do you hear the language you're using? Fatherland? Oh, I'm sorry. If I want to make this country great again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, no joke. I was at my, my daughter's elementary uh, girls school basketball game the other day. And we're in the middle of Sand Mountain, Alabama. Okay, you can imagine the clientele of this school. <laughs> no joke, like a seventh grade boy walks into the gym with a MAGA hat on. I almost just ripped a hat off of a junior high boy. <laughs> I, you know, it was, fun, it was uncalled for. Do you guys so ever like, have it where you're with like a certain group of friends and you look like the most conservative person in the entire world? And then you're with another group of friends and you look like the most liberal person in the entire world. Just about every day. Yeah. Every day of my life. And I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Uh, so for those of our good listeners who feel that pinch as well, we are with you. We empathize. And Josh doesn't hate America. Moving along. I kind of uh, do. I kind of do. I kinda he kind of does. Uh, I do not. Moving along. Um, Dej continues. Also, I'm with Gabe on the whole teleology thing. So again, for our friends, that's like... Uh, Basically, a goal-oriented life from the, the Greek telos, like you're aiming towards something. But uh, Dej continues. My question to Gabe is that he keeps asking students uh, what their end slash purpose slash goal is in life. Great question. But what should the answer be? Is it a unique answer for the individual or is there a common Christian answer to this? The Westminster Shorter Catechism, I was like the Reformed Catechism, uh, asks its first question because it's anthropocentric. Uh, what is the chief end of man? And their answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Would I agree with this? Or would we agree with this? I don't know if the U is plural or singular. Um, so I would and I wouldn't. I think that's an okay answer. Um, 
I do think no cancer to what? Uh, to the question of what's the chief end of man. Sorry. So, so if so, so really, what Dej is getting at here is he's saying, okay, Gabe, you're saying that we should live lives with with a telos in mind, with a with a chief end in mind. And historically, in the Christian Church, for example, in the Reformed tradition, uh, they've asked this question: What is our chief end? What's our purpose as humanity? And their answer has been to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, where, where does uh, that come from? Do you know? I'm, I'm genuinely Westminster, asking. Westminster Catechism. No, no. I, okay, where does the Westminster Confession ground that statement in? Well, I mean, Scripture. They would no. say. Well, okay. Because like, the only reason I ask is because I happen to be preaching on the wedding at Cana this weekend. And at the end of the passage from John 2, it, it declares this was the first sign Jesus performed and that it brought uh, oh, to like to reveals the to reveal the father's glory or to like to reveal his glory or something like that. Yeah. Yep. And it just and I was actually thinking about the, the Westminster Confessions and the chief end of man is to glorify God. And I wondered if is is that actually accurate? Because sometimes a lot of times Jesus in his. And in, in, in what he does, his signs, his miracles, you know, um, his his public teaching is oftentimes to bring glory to the Father. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I don't want to seem as if I'm competing with Jesus to bring glory to the – like that's my chief end. I would say the chief end of Christ was to bring glory to the Father through his death and resurrection. But I don't know. I, I, I just fail to see the the recurrence of this idea that man's chief end is to bring glory. Well, to, so I think – it would, without getting into too much of a tangent, I think um, my gut would be that our Reformed brothers and sisters would say uh, that when Jesus is bringing glory to the Father, he is being the true embodiment of humanity, that that it's his fullest expression of humanity is to glorify the Father. And in regards to his divinity, per your reference in John chapter 2, he does also bring glory to himself because he's also God. But in, in regards to his humanity... His chief end is always going to be to glorify the Father. Ah, uh, yes. However, I was reading in Isaiah chapter 40-something. I can't recall exactly this time this morning. And it said that, or, or God said rather through the prophet Isaiah, that he would bring man or he would bring his people back into this restored relationship, uh, um, a, you know, uh, I mean, I can't describe it any other way, into a restored relationship out of this oppression and oppressive state to bring himself glory. Yeah. And so yet again, once again, it's not man's chief end to bring glory to God, but oftentimes God will use mankind either through the humanity of his son or whatever to bring glory to himself. And so to your point, it is very anthropocentric. And I think a lot of times that's misleading because it's not like we in our actions are bringing glory to God, but God can use humanity to bring glory to himself specifically in the second nature of Christ. Yeah, if I get what you're saying, I think I probably agree with you. I think, I don't know, there's some nuance we would get into, but that's not the point of this episode. So let me just answer it this way. Uh, I would say the chief end of all humanity, honestly, is is to follow Jesus Christ. So that, that means that the chief end is, 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 I mean, this is him, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all this will be added to you, right? So seek first the kingdom. So the chief end of humanity is, is really to follow after Jesus, seek first his kingdom in this world. Um, now, part of that and a major part of that would be to glorify God. And uh, in the words of our reformed brothers, as God gets his glory, you get your joy. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but um, 
so I guess I'd say that that's it. I, I don't know. So to me, that's the answer is to say, what is what does it look like for me to seek first the kingdom in whatever capacity I'm in? Well, and I think to go just a little deeper on Dej's question, especially around when he says when students are asked, like, what's their end purpose goal in life? I think if you start from that foundation of glorifying God, of, of you know, seeking his will and things like that. But if your end goal, like if your if your big goal is to start a business and, you know, do X, Y, Z, that's cool, man. As long as it's grounded in, in that glorification of God of seeking his will, things like that. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Cause so what I would say is this, is the idea of following God being the, the, being the chief is that it ends up then restraining every other human endeavor. So I was uh, reading reading a book about this in that like prior to the the rise of Christianity in the the West, the idea of the emperor not being divine was was not even considered or even considered. Like it was like inherited, yeah, alone. <laughs> considered. Uh, but the idea being that like he is the ultimate authority in humanity as, as the emperor. And so that his power would be limited or that he would be held accountable to any other standard, but his own didn't make any sense because he himself was divine. But as Christianity rises, you, you start to see the really the, the arrival of what we know as the modern nation state, which holds itself uh, to a standard outside of itself, which holds itself accountable to something outside itself. I mean, you, you even look at the, the documents of the, the early founders of the United States that weren't even necessarily Christians, but they recognized that there was a standard outside their own rule that they had to hold themselves accountable to. And so in the same way, in a smaller level in our individual lives, if our chief end is anything but a standard, uh, a, a divine standard outside of ourselves, it's inherently flawed and going to end up being worthless. Once again, the reference is God, not us. And that's my only Correct. beef I got with that. I agree. Okay. Final text. Uh, this is from, oh no. And I'm sorry. And then we got another Facebook message I want to get to too. So uh, we got a text that just says, uh, so I'm chopping veggies for dinner, drinking wine and catching up on my episodes of my favorite podcast. I wonder Yeah, Erica. Yeah. Um, oh, it was us. She says, what? you guys totally need to take this show on the road. And Belvedere, Illinois is the town for you. You can even stay at our house. Seriously. Thanks for giving up the good work. Erica, Erica, thanks so much, man. We are honored uh, to uh, to uh, to accompany you as you chop veggies. Uh, my wife, actually, very similarly in solidarity with our little podcast, also oftentimes listens to us while making dinner. So we my appreciate wife it, has Erica. Never listened to a single episode. Yeah, probably good for her. But our marriage is strong. Okay, <laughs> glad to hear that. But Erica, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we are we're grateful to to have you a part of the Pint Glass Preachers. We're coming family. to Belvedere. We are. We're doing it. We will be in your living room. Like One day. Next week. It's not out of the realm of possibility. No. Final one. Uh, this is a Facebook message from a great friend of the pod, Ricky. And uh, he sent us a message on Facebook and uh, commented on Josh and I's argument on the B side about this uh, missionary in the Sentinel Island uh, who I, I claimed him as a martyr. And Josh was kind of like, no, nah, he's just an idiot. Wait, hold on. Uh, no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Quick pause. Quick pause. Yeah. Disclaimer for all of our listeners. Gabe and I had a follow-up conversation. I think it was either after we stopped recording the last episode or like within the days after that. And as more information came out, 
about this situation regarding the missionary. We actually ended up having a fairly synonymous uh, reaction to what occurred. Yes. And I think Ricky lines up with where we land. And he wrote, uh, so he summarizes our um, uh, conversation. And then he says, from my opinion, seeing how they have a consistent track record, the, the people in this island that, that killed this, this missionary, of, of killing anyone attempting to get on the island, I think his approach was foolish, but his heart was well-intended. These people, albeit in a stark way, want nothing to do uh, with Christianity, either by their own cultural understanding or lack of knowledge of the outside world. Josh's point of sentimentality rings true as well. Not sure I'd call him a martyr as much as a brave brother whom took Jesus' call incredibly personally. Uh, and then he goes on and says, after I talked with him, he said, I, I, I think saying no to doing something can be seen as unfaithful or against the commandment, but sometimes being surrendered to God and even growing to be more faithful means being pushed means pushing ourselves back, not getting the mix, and just let God work on the hearts of those that seem impenetrable to us. I love you guys. Seriously, the honesty and discussion is something I wish more Christians weren't afraid to have. Keep at it. And so, Ricky, man, we thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for listening, man. It's, uh, great words. And uh, we, uh, per Josh's point, after further reflection and discussion and argument amongst ourselves, uh, we, uh, I think, really line up with you and your sentiments here. So, for sharing your thoughts with us. We appreciate it. And we would love to hear from any of you. Text us in. What's that number again, Josh? 612-208-6258. Shoot us a message on Facebook. Uh, we're working to, to get our Twitter up and running in a, in a more high capacity. And uh, so we really would uh, love to be in touch with you. We love the community that's being formed out of this podcast and really appreciate being in conversation with you all. So please do uh, take part in that. Also leave us a review if you haven't yet. By the way, I did that for the first time ever for a podcast and uh, I never did it before because I didn't want my actual name to be read. So just so you know, if you've never done it, you can make up your own whatever name you want and then leave a great review for us. So, like Skrrm. Yeah, whatever works for you. AKA so, Dr. Brian O'Neill. Dr. Brian O'Neill. So please do leave us a, a review. It really helps um, our rankings and podcasts, helps us uh, grow more listeners and, uh, you know, hopefully one day sponsors of this show. So uh, please do that. And uh, thank you for staying in touch with us. We want to get to the actual show. Uh, so we're going to take a break for uh, a few hot seconds here. And then we're going to talk about leadership, especially as young people in leadership. So uh, stick around after the break. Welcome back to Pine Glass Preachers. We are going to be talking about leadership tonight. I Specifically, we're going to be talking about when you're in that kind of weirdo state when you are a young leader and you're needing to manage up, manage down, and there are situations where you're not quite sure, like, you know you have authority, but it doesn't seem like it's maybe the right time to exert it or, you know, there's a lot of different questions and it's kind of a, it's a weird state. And so I want to kind of lead off by talking about an example uh, of a place that I was in this weekend. So I, I sit on a board of a nonprofit here in town in Minneapolis, and I am by far the youngest person on the board. Uh, and to be honest, they, they recruited me to be on the board because I was young. They needed to get a little bit more youth. And the fun thing is, is that 
of all the people on this board, they're mostly, I would say, in their 50s and 60s, nearing retirement or already retired. I'm literally the only one who has any nonprofit experience. And at this point in my life, I've been in nonprofits for about 15 years, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is a decent amount it's of experience, number. right? It's good experience. And so we come to these board meetings and we have our strategic sessions and things like that. And more often than not, I find myself in the situation of like, man, I really know the right answer to what we're trying to get to here, but I'm not sure if people are going to take me seriously because we have a lot of really successful people in their own realms, banking or business or whatever it happens to be. But man, I know a lot about nonprofits. I've held pretty much every position in a nonprofit. And I and, and I want to be able to say, listen to me. Just listen. Do what I say and we'll be fine. Right? And I think about all the stories uh, that I've heard you guys talk about both on air here and privately about, you know, you guys are both young guys. You've been leading your churches for a long time. I've been in the nonprofit space. I was the leader of a nonprofit at the ripe old age of 33. And so, you know, it, it, it puts us in weird positions where, you know, we're working with people who are much older than us and people are looking to us as leaders or <clears throat> like my situation where I'm part of a leadership group and I'm trying to like grope my way around and figure out where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Gropes maybe the wrong word, <laughs> but like hashtag, you know, uh, <laughs> Me too. So let's start the conversation there. Like, where do we want to go? <laughs> For the good listener, I accidentally touched Tom's foot right now. So, okay, I think you raised a good question. And there's a, uh, I don't know, a variety of concerns for the young leader. So I think maybe let me, I, I want to start with perhaps my errors in leadership and then maybe go from there. So, I came in. Wait, but, hold on. I think that's a really, it's a good point to start. Yeah. In starting this conversation, I'm not saying that I'm always right. Right. I have a lot of experience. You have a lot of experience leading church. Josh has a lot of experience leading a church. We're not Very always well. right, but we're not always wrong. Right. 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 So, but that's where I think there there is this balance of like, for me, as I started ministry, I kind of started from a place where I had experienced success in in other arenas before I was in the first chair. All right. So when I had been in the fourth chair or the third chair, and even in the second chair, I, I had experienced... Are we talking about band? Uh, yes. Okay. So when I was fourth chair trumpet, okay. uh, actually, I was I was uh, second chair. Not, not trying to cool. brag, but uh, yeah. in, a, in a small Lutheran school, I was second chair trumpet. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at any rate... Um, but as, as a fourth cheerleader, like further down the, the ranks in an organization, I'd experienced success. And then as I moved on, continued to experience success. And so when I had finally reached uh, first chair, in, in my head, it was like, all right, this is it. Like, I'm the dude. Like, I'm the, I'm the golden boy. Everything I'm touching seems to be working. And so, like, let's do what I say and let's go. And then I found myself like running into walls that I'd never encountered before, facing pressures I'd never encountered before. And and um, I I remember like a mentor of mine just being like, 
Gabe, are you willing to listen to other people? Like, are you willing to listen to what I have to say? And he was older than me. And so I guess I want to start, and you know, it was very humbling for me. And I was like, yeah, well, I know I should be. And so I was like, in that moment, realized that, okay, time to shut up and listen. And so there is that, that balance between saying like, I want to be driven. I want to be leading well. I, I want to pursue things. And at the same time, uh, maintaining a healthy humility towards those who have experience that I don't have, towards those who um, have led things that I have not led, and to to be in a posture of learning, a posture of humility. So I guess I just want to clarify, I think it's really important in leadership to like the fundamental starting spot has to be humility, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're not going to learn. Otherwise, you're not going to listen. Yep. Fact. Yep. True. And, and I think if you can you know, we talked about this just a little earlier when we were responding to some of the texts, but like if the foundation is, is that humility, but there is that, that time where you need to exert influence and authority and say, look, I know that everyone on this board here is been super successful and makes seven figures and you know, whatever, but I'm telling you right now that your course is not going to work. And I really need you to go on this course Yeah, here, you know? So this is this tension between, uh, to, to, I guess, get, uh, to use some alliteration. It's this tension between humility and hubris in leadership, right? So, so humility and confidence to be humbly confident and to say like, you know what, man, I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I'm going to sit. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the, 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 um, St. James in the book of James talks about this. Says we're, we're quick to listen. We're slow to speak. So starting there, but then saying, all right, there is a place in time where it's like, I got to have this hubris. I got to just say, this is the thing. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So when do, how does one discern what that is and when to do it? I mean, I think I, I, I feel like for me, that's one of the spots that I'm in that it's a seeking kind of place because I think when it comes to like the business world, like there's that sweet spot of between ages 40 and 45 where you're like, you've got 20 years of experience. You're still super energetic and hip with all the trends and all that kind of stuff. You know how to convert your PDFs. Yep. Yep. But, but you're not yet on that backslide to count down the days to retirement or things like that. And, and, for a lot of pe- people in business, that's when you start getting those those bigger jobs, director level, CEO level, you know, whatever, you know. And so, you know, as someone who's 38 right now and nearing that sweet spot, if you will, 48? still considered by some to be young, still considered, you know, I've got some experience. It's like it, it, it's a push and pull. It's a little bit of a struggle of like trying to exert some kind of authority, but then also wanting to be humble too and say, look, there's, you've also got amazing perspective from what you bring to the table. Yep. So let me, I I think I would frame it this way. I'm always willing to have more hubris if I'm the one that's paying the biggest price. So, so that's interesting. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, oh, sorry. You, sorry. You said hubris. 
Yeah, hubris. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. On okay, that one. yeah. Okay, not that answer. Okay, fine. No, no, no. I got really excited. Well, either, <laughs> either, well, either paying the biggest. Dang price it, we could have had a really great discussion there. <laughs> Dang it. Yep. And now instead, you're just going to listen to my commentary. Yeah, no, no Story one. Story of our life. Yeah. You're still here, right? Josh. Wow. Yes, I know. Shocking, right? Uh, either that you're going to have the the biggest price to pay, or that you're the initiator. I think. And the reason I say that is because, like, so tonight, for example, right before we got on. Um, I was one of two who organized a community meeting with a bunch of people who are older than me, who have more experience than me, who have more uh, credibility than me. And yet at the same time, it was, I, I didn't have a price to pay if this particular, the, the, the mission or desired outcome of this meeting failed. However, I was the initiator. And so there would have been a sense of embarrassment, you know, had I not taken the hubris of, of being, confident in this meeting and saying, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Like I learned from you, you know, you people in the neighborhood. Um, I, I took my cues from you, but now is the time that I'm going to take the lead and let's move in this direction. And just taking a, I mean, honestly, like a, a confident step of faith that this was the right decision to make the right direction to go, the right move to make whatever, however you want to say it. But at the same time, it wasn't like if, if this doesn't work, is my career over? No. Is my church going to fail? No. But because I was the initiator, there is a, a certain amount of pressure that comes with it. You know, there's an interesting trend that's well documented when you see a lot of our innovators in society are typically younger people. And that has a lot to do with at with age comes uh, a, a more reliance on, on norms of you know, this is a thing I do every sort of settle in. Yeah. Yeah. You settle in and, and, and there's a lot to be said for that. And and that's fine. Uh, you know, but I mean, a a great example, this is, is Google, you know, the, the two founders of Google, you know, were two 25 year olds coming out with this really fantastic idea, innovators changing the world. But the first thing they said is I, we don't know how to lead a company though. We have this great idea. We need someone to execute on that. And they hired a 55 year old CEO. Yeah. You know, and that's like, you know how to do this by repetition because you've done it a bunch. Just go and do that. We don't want you to innovate. Let us do that. We see this with people typically like your political views start getting more conservative as you get older because you're just like, I just want to settle in. I'm not ready for big change and things like that. And so, you know, again, it's it's that. OK, I've got the idea. I'm the instigator. I. I want to push this forward because I think it can make significant change. And all of you who are over there saying like, oh, I don't want to get out of my rut. And you're saying, just, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then how do you influence, how do you influence up to make that change? Well, and I think though, like Josh's point is really big here is that it wasn't a, it says it this to me is big is, is it wasn't a begrudging, it wasn't a disrespectful. It wasn't a, um, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't just deconstruction. It was reconstruction. So it wasn't just saying, I don't know, whatever your meeting was about, Josh. But to me, it seems like it wasn't saying, here's everything that you idiots have done wrong. End of meeting. It was like, here's how I'm proposing we move forward as an organization. And like, that to me is, is everything. Is it's like, if all it is is critique with no solution, you're not leading. Anyone can do that. Like anyone can whine, anyone can deconstruct. That's a that's a cakewalk. 
but to be the one who's who's willing to you know to put himself out there put herself out there and say hey like this is the the future we need to grab hold of and to then actually be the one to lead through it um i i, I think that's where the uh the hubris needs to come from now the struggle is like and i'm just thinking back as you guys were talking like i once worked for an organization in which my role within that organization uh was going very very well and the senior leader in that organization was suggesting uh that we pursue bigger and bigger goals however his particular responsibilities were not going as well as mine and so he's saying, I got this great vision. Let's do this. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do this. And what ended up happening then was, so Gabe, you end up carrying the brunt of my vision. Mm-hmm. And that was where I was like, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Like, so, so again, that's where that hubris comes in where it, it's like, I, I reached this point where I was like, I can't, I can't be the one who's doing the 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 grunt work for your dreams you know i wonder if hubris is the right word because i mean hubris kind of connotes like this idea of ego and i'm the only one who could be right you know kind of thing whereas hey man let's not go left you come to a fork on the road and you're like let's not go left because there's a this is the wrong way sign you know I really think we should go right. You know, yeah, that, that, right. that's not hubris. That's right. that's just look, I've I've got a better perspective on this. Yeah. Yeah, but but I think that's why I mean Gabe took this phrase from our first Arcadia talks together was this humble confidence. Knowing that it, you know, like sort of implicitly admitting you don't know everything yet while explicitly communicating. I think this is the way we need to go. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? You're saying like, yeah, I, I could be wrong. Implicitly, you're kind of alluding to the fact that maybe this isn't the best way to go, but I'm confident enough in this direction that I feel like I want to convince you to follow me or to, yep. you know, to take on my leadership in this way. And I, in one sense, that does take a little bit of hubris because you're saying, I'm going to put myself out there. And things could go south real fast. But on the flip side, I'm not doing it so that that way on that other side, it's going to be glamorous and full of glory. It just might be affirmed that, yeah, we made the right choice. Right. So when, when you guys talk about like humble confidence, it starts, it starts getting me to think about like, okay, that's like the ideal. And some people are very good at that. And some people are not. Some people who wish to be in leadership or or get stuck at a at a middle place because they can't, you know we have leaders who are just amazing leaders because they just have something that can't be taught that can't be uh, can't be imitated and that that's all there is you know we we can we can read as many self health books we can go to as many speakers as we want but we can only go so far. And so, like, I love what we're saying here about some, you know, starting points of like, let's be humble, let's listen to other people, let's, you know, these are some starting points that everyone should be able to do. 
But when a rubber meets the road and you really need to do this, some of it's am I am I wrong in saying so some of it's this is like John Maxwell's first law of leadership, right? Is uh everyone has a lid that there's there's a lid of leadership. Yep. Yep. And and I think he's right. I mean, like, I have no, you know, misconceptions about myself. Like, I'm not gonna be president although you may or may not have to be a great leader to do that but i think we've proven that. yeah it's true but i'd but, hope you thank you but i'm not going to lead a fortune 500 company like i'm not uh and I'm, I'm okay with that um however what can i do to improve my lid what can i do to to raise that level and that's where i think there again there's that balance like you know and these this is where like these trite sayings come in in the, the realm of leadership world that are actually true though so leaders are learners and leaders are readers. And so again, that's where that humility comes in is to say like, am I willing to be a learner? Am I willing to like, to recognize like, I don't know what it is. You know, and so for example, even like, I just take myself, like I, I come from, you know, my first five years in my career were starting churches. Uh, and I learned a lot and I learned a lot from other mentors and had to be uh, humbled and, and, and really had to learn. Uh, but I got pretty good at it and it was starting churches in central Texas. And like, we did all right. Well, then I go to uh university Lutheran chapel in Ann Arbor, Michigan, a different cultural context in central Texas, a different uh, congregational context in central Texas. And I went in and did the things that I knew how to do. And they've worked out pretty well. And I'm, you know, if I'm just honest with, y'all and our leadership I'm, I'm and my leaders know this I'm, I'm two years in and now i'm saying okay it's worked out okay what's next and and i don't know yet and so the question then is to say well this is my lid i'm going to grow this congregation to this number we're going to reach these people and otherwise we're just kind of going to coast for the next 10 years because mm -hmm. theoretically i could but is that is that wise? No, a true leader is a learner, a true leader is a reader. And so then it's to say, all right, what do I need to learn? What do I need to do to do um, to lead these people better, to lead this congregation forward in the mission that God has for us? So so to me, it's like, yes, there is a level. My church is not going to be a mega church. I'm not interested in that. Um, but are we going to be all that, you know, in my context, God would have us be if I don't submit myself to learning and submit myself to reading no i think that's the question like what what is that what is the next step then you know what i mean obviously you said not gonna be a mega church not interested i think many of us resonate with that but what is the 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 end of the learning what is the end of the reading yeah well i think that brings up an interesting concept of okay do what you can to improve your lid if you will Mm -hmm. but also be self-aware enough to know where your lid stops, you know? Cause I, I mean, I just don't believe that if I read enough books, if I, if I sit at the feet of enough mentors, coaches, mentors and coaches that I can become gurus, Lee, yeah. I, Barack Obama, like whatever, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like just know your role. Like I, 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 this is where sports kind of comes into it. Like yeah. at a certain point you can do all, you can shoot, all the shots you want in the practice gym, but you're not going to be Steph Curry. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. And so understanding, Hey man, I'm a really, really good role player. I play 18 minutes a game. I get 
eight points, eight rebounds, and two blocks, and I have done my job to perfection. Yep. That is what I can do. And so understanding, okay, where am I at on this leadership totem pole kind of thing? How do I fit within this group? Whether you're on a board of a nonprofit or a, yeah. you know, leadership within your your business or things like that. Like, what are you honestly able? And I think sometimes this is where I know that I struggle and fail sometimes is like wanting to be at the top, but realizing that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. But, but, to harken, but to harken back to what Gabe said, like. What if you don't realize that? Or what if you don't want to admit to that? You know what I mean? What yeah. if, if if you're the eight rebounds, eight points, and two blocks kind of guy, but you think your lid is higher, mm-hmm. that complicates things. So, uh, again, going back to a sports metaphor, uh, at the beginning of the football season, I listened to a lot of podcasts around fantasy football and things like that. Wait, like and football, NFL football, or football, yeah. soccer football, like proper football, oh, proper good football. Gosh, <laughs> come on, you Spurs! Come on, Spurs! Uh, thinking specifically about NFL football, the thing that we all care about. Awesome. Uh, Not this season. The point is. There's there's a man by the name of Matthew Barry who will talk about what's the thing that's most likely to happen. If you've had six straight seasons of eight points, eight rebounds, and two blocks, what's the most likely thing to happen this next season? Is it 30 points and 15 rebounds? It's not. It's just not, right? And so I, you know, when if yeah. if if we're trying to figure out like what's the point of this episode and you know, what are we trying to steer people towards? I, I, I love the first point of like humble leadership, mm-hmm. you know, be humble. Second thing, be a learner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Try to be self-aware enough to understand like, what is your place? And that, that place can change. I think that some of the best leaders can understand, Hey, on this board, I'm in the middle of the road. There yeah. are some way smarter people on this board and I need to shut up and listen. Yeah. Yeah, in my workplace, I'm the absolute leader. People yeah. are looking to me for answers. I need to step up. Yep. Yeah, you it's know, just, it's just embracing reality. That's all that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like like I've said, like like Gabe said earlier, you know, he's not going to have a mega church. I mean, I, nor does he want one. I I think I, I share the sentiment. Do I think I have the leadership capacity to pastor a church of thousands? Well, probably not, and I'm okay with that. But if I if I try to like convince myself that I want to get to that point, then I'm undermining my the, the very leadership capacity that I have. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, because and especially too, right? Like, so I mean, and Josh, you're a great example of this. Like the leadership capacity to lead a church of thousands, you may or may not have, I don't know, but the leadership capacity to do I specifically- don't. let's just clear the air. I, I All right, that's the fact you don't. But, <laughs> but, um, but the leadership capacity to do what you do in terms of racial reconciliation, in terms of uh, ministry, in quite frankly, a, a uh, mm, I don't know, culturally challenging environment, a challenging environment. Um, like that's an area though where you're not perfect at yet, and you can grow. So it's to say, okay. I'm not going to look to freaking like uh, John Maxwell, for example, to look to how to lead a large organization. But you, Josh, 
are going to look to other people who are experts in urban ministry who've been at the game for a while. Right. Um, and, and you're going to seek to emulate what they're doing and take learn from them. Exactly. Knowing that they have a lot to offer, yet at the same time, there's room for growth and for innovation. Yeah. Right. Well, and so and then that's the thing is then to say, and this is maybe where the tension that Tom has brought up initially tonight is to say, when's the tipping point for that? Like, so for Josh, as you're saying like, hey, here's this dude in urban ministry or this gal in urban ministry who I look up to and I'm trying to emulate what they're doing. And then you reach a point where it's like the student becomes the master. Like, <laughs> how well, that's you know not that- going to happen. We know that. Well, okay, so let's take like a competent human being. When do they know? Like me or Gabe. Uh, yeah, like me or Tom. Yeah. Um, like when, so when, when do we know when that tipping point is where it's like, cool, like I've gained a lot. And like, we're in this place though, where I'm seeing things that maybe you haven't yet or, or could or should. And I just got to move this ball forward. You're asking? I'm asking, what's that tipping point? I mean, I, mean, I think it, well. I, I think it is to to examine oneself and really embrace the capacity of what you have, or to embrace like the lid. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I think that's some of the genius of a Maxwell or other leadership, you know, gurus, so to speak, is that. We, we're we're constantly under this threat and this tem- temptation really to say or, or to move beyond our lid to somehow surpass it to say you know what that 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 shouldn't really be a limiter of my of my capacity of my skill of my desire yet at the same time I honestly think that that is the the sure and true sign of confidence is to say you know what this is really what what i can do this is who i am this is what i'd like this is this is what will bring fulfillment and not try to move beyond that in a superficial kind of way but rather embrace it in a very realistic kind of way well i you know as i'm listening to this it it, it's almost like wow this is getting really fatalistic of like i'm not as good as i think i can be and this american dream of you know, what's your book title? You know, you're not as special as you yeah, think you right, are. Yeah. You know, like the American dream is like you can be whatever you want and you can you can make bajillions of dollars and be the head of every company and it'll be awesome. You know, like that's just not what's going to happen. However, I don't want to sit here and say, man, you just need to like we all need to self-examine here, figure out what our role is and just know you're not as awesome as you think you are kind of no, thing but- because I I think it is. Nothing is awesome. Like, I don't think that I could lead the systems of a church of of thousands. It it would, it would just, it would just wouldn't fulfill me. And I wouldn't be able to do it in the, in, in a way that others would be able to do it better. So, but that's a fulfillment thing. You're talking about like what you would like to do or what you like. You shouldn't sell yourself short. You may find that you have the capacity to do that. You may not, but I think it's constantly poking at your own self and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, is this something I can do? And and if you kind of keep if you kind of keep thinking, okay, here's my boundary, and you get to that, and you're like, oh, I have capacity to more for more, you know, I think that's that's a healthy thing to like 
keep pushing boundaries. And then again, it's being self-aware and understanding, okay, this, this seems like I'm not making any headway here. I'm not, I'm not what I think I am in this, in this sphere. Yeah. And, and then understanding that. And then to your point, Josh, of saying, where's my passion moving in that direction and then really becoming a thought leader, a leader, leader, a whatever in that capacity. I mean, it's similar. I don't know. As you guys are talking, I'm thinking of, you know, it's, it's a it's kind of a hiring principle, right? Is that uh, past behavior is indicative of future behavior, right? So that, that your best tell of like, if you're hiring someone is to say, all right, well, what'd you do in the past? Cause I mean, it's, it's what you're talking about with your sports guy. Yeah. Sport, sports, um, sports, touch points in the, in the score zone. zone. Perfect. Uh, Terrible. <laughs> But, but in the same way as, as a leader is to look at that in yourself and to say, all right, if I look at my past behavior, what's been fruitful for me and what hasn't and, and to pursue that, which, and this is kind of like your strength-based coaching, your strength-based leadership, but to say like, what's, what's been my strong suit, what's been fruitful for me. And so that is where I think you can determine where that confidence comes from. Of course, apart from the Lord, I mean, not apart from the Lord, but sure the Lord and then from him uh, where specifically for you as an individual. And so, so Tom, if we go back to your situation in your, um, in your nonprofit that you're on the board of is that, you know, if you're thinking like, Hey, look at me, I know what I'm talking about, that it's a matter of saying, looking back and saying like, does my past behavior, is that indicative? Like, have, have I seen fruit in what I'm proposing here? Like, is there, mm-hmm. is there some, you know, corollaries here. Is there some similarities here? And if that's the case, I think I have a legitimate place to stand up and say, this is it, man. Like, trust me on this. I've seen this happen before. This is where the wisdom lies. Mm-hmm. You know, because, yep. because there is going to be experiences, no matter how young you are, that you've had that other people haven't had. And there's okay. going to be uh competency that you have that other people don't have. And so I think as emerging leaders is to recognize those places and and then lead in those places um as where we find appropriate yeah emerging leaders is that a bad word no so, just so hip and relevant and authentic i'm the realist of running i just happened to rap okay you know what that's oh gosh that was Jay-Z off the Black Album. Nothing more relevant yeah. than an album from 15 years ago. <laughs> Jay-Z from 15 years ago, not Gabe Casper from 2019. All right. This has got to be the place where we end, right? Has I think be. so. All right. Has to be. So that's your uh, your leadership moment for 2019. Go out and get them, guys. Come on, hey, gang. It, it's a new year. Resolutions. Fresh starts. And our resolution is to provide a better podcast. And we just... Nailed it tonight. Nailed it. Not going to happen. Good work, everybody. See you on the other side. Have a great week. We love you. Outro. Josh, how come you didn't come to hang out with us tonight? <laughs>